Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Redeemed, with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled, Jacob's Changed Life. Enjoy this message. You can be seated this morning. <coughs> Man, I'm choking. <laughs> like the Raiders did on yesterday. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. I really didn't. Oh, are we online? I didn't even realize that. Good to see everybody this morning. Aren't you glad you're in the house of God? Can I have a little bit of fun, right? Turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. Well, we're excited you're here. And uh, just an inside joke for some of you visitors here this morning. We're glad you're here. And uh, we're going to have a great time. We're on this series called Redeemed. How many have been enjoying this series, Redeemed? And uh, what Redeemed means is to repurchase or to buy back or to reclaim. And that's exactly what God has done for us. He's reclaimed us, right? And we're his sons and daughters of God. And he restores us. He heals us. And we're just thankful for that. I'm going to read a scripture out of Ephesians 1-7. And it's really what redemption is all about and we'll get into this story that i believe will really help us this morning out of ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace so let's pray as we dive into this message today father we thank you today for the holy spirit thank you for the people of god that are here god i'm so thankful Even those that are watching online, everyone that's here in this house today and those that are participating, Lord, as well. And we just pray today that you'd open our hearts, our minds to the word. Your word is so precious. Your word is so powerful. And the word of God is so relevant in 2022. Lord, it applies to every part of our lives. So I pray for the anointing, the grace, the power of God as I speak today. And Lord, that the people of God would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus name and everyone said amen I'm going to get into a story it's really one of my favorite stories I always say that there's a lot of favorite stories in the Bible but this one really today I'm going to break it down and I think all of us are going to be able to relate uh, to this story it's the story of Jacob and it's going to illustrate I'm going to just kind of show you uh, there's a process and how God redeems his life to change his life i don't know when we give our life to christ we don't automatically change there is the process of things that we have to go through and i want to talk about redemption in jacob's life as a man whose life had been changed and transformed by the power of god and there are a number of steps or phases that um, jacob had to go through and we're going to look at genesis chapter 31 and 32 i'm not going to read every verse of scripture the whole chapter i'm going to kind of give you uh read a few verses and kind of give you the background concerning jacob and his life and and the struggles and the things and the phases that he went through in order for god to redeem and transform his life and one of the things about jacob is his life starts with conflict anybody have conflict in your life today and it starts with conflict, and his struggle is with other people. Usually when we get into a conflict, 
It's not a conflict with ourselves. We're in conflict with other people. We're struggling with other people. And can I say this? I'm going to be honest with you. Many times when we are in conflict with people, God is using that struggle. He's using that conflict to get your attention. I know we may not look at it that way, but believe it or not, if you're in conflict with people right now, can I be honest with you? God is trying to get your attention. And I'm going to show you that in the word of God, because often God wants to change us. And the way he changes us is it starts with conflict with other people. Because when you're in conflict with other people, you begin to realize everything you think you are and all of that. And you got it all together. You find out there's some things about you that people don't like. And there's some things about you that need to change. And we don't like that, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background and give you uh, of our text here concerning Jacob and the conflict he had with other people. And this guy had conflict with all kinds of people. We'll get into that. But his first conflict was in the womb. Believe it or not, Jacob was a twin. He, his twin brother was Esau. And uh, the Bible says that when Esau, Esau came out first and when he, would, when he was born, when Esau came, Jacob was holding on to his heel. I almost asked to say, I should have came out first. Almost like trying to grab him back in. And that's actually, Jacob's name means grasper, means circumvent, overreach. It also means to strive. There's another description of his name means uh, manipulator or kind of deceiver. And so Jacob, from the very beginning, is in conflict with his older brother. He wants to come out first like, man, I... I should have been the one. And so throughout their uh, youth, Jacob is trying to outdo his brother. In fact, when you look into the story, we won't read the whole story here, but it, the Bible says that Jacob ends up swindling or ends up stealing his brother's birthright. Now, birthright, when you had a birthright, when you were the oldest and your father passed away, you got the family name. You, you got the main inheritance. And so Jacob wanted to try to cheat his brother out of it. And there were two different characters. Jacob was one type of guy, and Esau was another kind of guy. And so I'll kind of give you a kind of a modern type of thing. Esau was more of a macho man. Macho, macho. No, anyway, macho man. He's kind of an outdoors guy. Kind of a lot of hair on him. He probably, today if you saw him, he'd be driving, a, you know, uh, you know a, a, a truck or something, you know, a four-wheel drive. You know, he probably, you know, a, a UFC training guy, whatever it was. And Jacob was more of a, he had smooth skin. You know, he, he drove a Honda and probably had a cologne on. I don't know. He was kind of a food network guy because he liked to cook. And so anyway, in Genesis chapter 25, one day Jacob and Esau, as they're teenagers, Esau comes back from hunting. I mean, he's hunting, he's tired, and sure enough, Jacob, he's an indoors guy, and he's learned, uh, you know, he's been watching the Food Network, and he's learned how to make some real stew. He gets some stew together, some lentil soup, he puts some onions in it, a little bit of celery, some chopped tomatoes, a pinch of garlic, a little bit of cumin, uh, uh, bay leaves, some oregano in there some basil in there sounds good huh and a little bit of crushed pepper and, and he took a picture of it he put it on instagram and, and facebook so everybody could look at it and so sure enough by the time esau shows up he said man i'm hungry man i i need some food i i've seen what you posted on instagram and and i'm really hungry right now and jacob said well if i give you some of these lentils what are you going to give me in return <laughs> 
And Esau said, I don't know, whatever you want. And instead of Jacob going for the, you know, the ear pods and, and everything else and the Jordans, he said, you know what, I want your birthright. And Esau says, what good is the birthright to me right now? Because I'm starving, I'm about to die. I'm not, you, know, I, you know how teenagers, they exaggerate everything. I'm about to die. And, and, and they go for the short, short-term gratification and they don't realize the long-term effect. Some of your parents missed a good place to say amen. That's a lot of teenagers, right? They're looking for the short-term gratification and they don't think about the long-term effect. And so Esau says, go ahead, you can have my birthright. So he trades his birthright for a bowl of lentils or a bowl of beans, believe it or not. That's what he did. And so Jacob, from that moment on, were estranged from each other. There was conflict between Jacob and Esau, and if you know the story, Esau wanted, he said, I'm going to get back, I'm going to get Jacob back one day. And so there's conflict with his brother Esau. And then he goes and he goes over, he marries his wife, and there's conflict with his father-in-law. There's conflict with his brother-in-law. I mean, this guy is having conflict wherever he goes. Uh, one day the Bible says that as he's there working for his father-in-law, the Bible says that he's working and laboring there, that his brother-in-law said, you know what, you, you seem pretty wealthy. You've cheated out our, our dad. And so they come against him. See, all this conflict is happening in Jacob's life. And the Bible says that he realizes that, that his brother or his father-in-law are looking at him differently. Let's read the story here in Genesis 31, verse 1 and 2. Jacob heard that Laban's sons, that's his brother-in-law, we're saying Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all the wealth. So they're all jealous about him from what belonged to our father. And so Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude, that's his father, father-in-law, Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. How many know when people start looking at you different, treating you different, you know, hey, wait a minute, their attitude. You can discern when a family member or a friend all of a sudden say, hey, he's not, he's treating me a little different. He look at me, yeah, everybody can know what I'm talking about, right? And he's figuring out, man, this isn't going to work. I need to get out of here. So basically, he gets all of his family. He has two wives. The reason why he has two wives is because his father-in-law has cheated him out again. His father-in-law uh, swindled him and told him, you know, you can marry Rachel, which was his younger daughter. And then the night of the, of, of the wedding, he didn't realize his his wife had this veil on, and when he woke up in the morning, it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. He said, man, what happened? The father-in-law said, oh, yeah, you got to marry the older one first. But if you want to marry the younger one, you got to work for me another seven years. So he had worked seven years for the, for he worked 14 years for Laban. So now he's got two wives, he's got 11 kids, and he's going to try to leave quietly. And he says, hey, let's try to leave here. He gets all the bunch, really honestly, he gets the whole family and everything, including the grandkids. And you could tell the father, father-in-law is mad when he hears about it. I mean, you can go, but you got to leave the grandkids. How many grandparents know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, hey, but you can go, but you leave the grandkids. So anyway, they're, they're chasing after him. Laban starts, uh, he gets, and so finally, you know, they, they come to a place uh, where or Laban has to confront him uh, because he's leaving. And the, here's the thing, Jacob has nowhere to go but back home. But remember, there's conflict with his brother back home. 
But he's got nowhere else to go. And so he says, you know what? Maybe if I extend an olive branch, maybe if I send some gifts ahead and let my brother know that I'm coming home, maybe then he'll accept my gifts and realize that there's, uh, there'll be some peace. And so the Bible says uh, that they go, his, uh, his servants go and take his brother some gifts, Esau, to say, hey, Jacob is coming. Uh, here are some gifts that he's giving you. And, and so then the, the messengers come back and they tell Jacob, hey, we met with your brother and, and it's good and bad news. He says, what's the good news? The good news, he took the gifts. The bad news is he's coming with an army of 400 men to greet you. 400 men. He says, oh my goodness. He realizes at that point that maybe his brother's coming to kill him. Look at, let's pick up the story here. In Genesis 32, the messengers returned to Jacob and said, we went to your brother Esau. And now he's coming to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was what? Terrified at the news. So he was terrified. He said, man, I cannot believe it. And he's probably thinking, I'm reaping the consequences of my choices. How many know that we might have made some choices early in life? And we probably made some bad. And some of us are reaping those choices later. See, you could choose whatever choice you want to make. But you don't choose the consequences of those choices. And so Jacob had made all these choices in life. And now he's realized it's coming back to haunt me. It's coming back to get me. And so all of a sudden, reality hits. And that's what I want to say about this first point. You have a conflict with others and reality. You have to make a choice. Reality is going to hit you. At some point, we have to come to reality about our choices, about the struggle that we're in or the conflict that we're in. And we have to make a choice to say, what, this is reality. Look at what he says here in Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. Reality hits, he starts praying. How do you know when reality hits, you're, you're a praying person? You may not be praying uh, usually, but now you're a praying person. He says, oh God, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown me. Save me. Get me out of this thing, man. I pray, for I am afraid. You know what Jacob is realizing? When, you re- when reality hits, here's what you've got to do. You've got to realize and you have to admit that you don't have it all together on your own. That you don't have it all together. That you're not powerful by yourself. That you can't resolve everything. That you're powerless without God. That when you think you're in control, you're really not. Jacob finally realized, I, I can't control everything. This has become unmanageable for me. I can't control everything. Until you get to this stage in life, you'll never change. You need a reality hit right now. You need a reality to hit you right now. To realize you keep doing what you're doing, you're never going to change. Jacob had to admit at that point in this phase, this conflict. He said, man, until I realized, until he realized that he can't do it, that he's not in control, he wasn't going to change. He realized that this conflict, he was powerless to change it. It wasn't going to get any better. In fact, it was getting worse. He was in a mess. And so when Jake, when God, when he comes to God, he said, Lord, I don't deserve it. See, you finally have to admit, you don't deserve God's kindness. I don't deserve what's going on. Uh, Lord, I've been running all my life. Uh, Please, reality hits him and he has to make a choice. And he goes to God. He says, God, I need your help. He had to stop denying and stop running. And he had to begin to admit 
that he needed God's help. And he realized, man, you know what? There's 400 men coming in front of me. There's my father-in-law coming behind me. What am I going to do? And so he prays to God, and he comes up with this plan. I know you may not be a, a great plan, but may not be a good PR here. He divides his family in half. He said, okay, half of you go this way, half of you go that way. And he realizes, well, if my brother gets this family, that's only half. Maybe I can keep the other half. I know it's not a good plan, guys, but that's what he did. And he says, he, he tells them to go across the river, and he stays behind. And when he stays behind, he stays behind wondering what he was going to do, and he sends them on ahead. And here's what happens in the second phase in his life. He begins to have, in this crisis or in this conflict, he struggles with God because when he's by himself, it is there that he begins to wrestle with God. I love this story right here. Genesis chapter 32, verse 23. Jacob got them safely across the brook Jabbok along with all his possessions. But Jacob stayed behind and he's left alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. So he's wrestling with this man all night, and actually we find out he's wrestling with God. See, you go from a conflict to a crisis where you're now struggling with God. You're wrestling with God now. And he said he wrestled with this man all night until dawn. When the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip, and he knocked it out of socket. So here's what I want kind of bring out right here in this story that's kind of interesting to me because he's having this biggest conflict with his father-in-law, with his brother, with all this thing. But I, I believe the biggest conflict wasn't that. His biggest conflict is he was wrestling and struggling with God. See, some of us this morning, believe it or not, your biggest conflict is not with people. Your biggest conflict is with God. You're wrestling with God right now. Somebody say amen. All of us at one time or another are going to be wrestling with God. The Bible said that God became, uh, he came in human form and began to wrestle with him. See, when you wrestle with God, here's the thing that you got to understand. When you wrestle with God, God doesn't mind that you wrestle with him. He doesn't mind that you struggle with things. How many know that wrestling is a contact sport? It's mano-mano, right? Man-to-man, right? We're, we're wrestling together, right? We're, we're, and God rather, would rather have you wrestle him than stay distant from him. Because when you wrestle, you're up close. When, when you're apathetic and you've got an attitude, you're at a distance. God wants you to be personal with him. He'd rather have you up close angry than distant and apathetic. He'd rather have you close right up there. he said, come on, let's wrestle. See, I'm going to tell you something. When you wrestle with God, you're not going to win. You're not. We think we are. We're wrestling with things. And what, what do we wrestle about? And that, that's kind of what I want to bring out too. What are we wrestling God with? What are we struggling with God? What are issues that we struggle with God? Here's what the book of Hosea says. Before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother. And when he became a man, he fought. Oh, when he became a man, he even fought 
with God. So his conflict was with his brother, but later on, his struggle and his crisis is with God. See, when you struggle with God, it's really a symptom of what's going on inside of you. Did you hear me? When you struggle with God, it's really a symptom of what's happening inside your heart, inside your mind, and inside your soul. Often, the reason why we struggle, let me just be honest with you, the reason why we struggle with God is usually because things don't act the way we want them to act, things don't go the way we want them to go, and what happens is we take matters into our own hands. And when you take matters into your own hands, it usually doesn't work out good. And the reason why we, what happens is, the reason why we take, because we don't trust God, and because we can't wait on God. See, these are all symptoms. That's why you're, you're struggling right now with God, because you don't trust him, and you can't wait on him. And so what happens is you don't think God is providing quick enough. You don't think God is moving quick enough. You don't think he's moving fast enough. That's why people, they say, man, I, I got to get married, and you marry the wrong person. You took things into your own hands. You knew you shouldn't have married them. There's all kinds of signs. Everybody told you, but you did it anyway. You got a job you shouldn't have got. You said, oh, no, I want that job, but that job wasn't for you. People told you you should have got that job. You got that job, and now you're miserable. Yeah, you're making the money, but you're not happy. There's a lot of things that we struggle with today because we take things and matters into our own hands. Jacob had done this all his life. He had manipulated his brother he took because he didn't believe God could bless him so he took somebody else's blessing he didn't believe God could provide for him so he made it out on his own he's struggling with God are you with me are you are you tracking with me this morning we got to think about this right now what are you facing right now it boils down to two things whether you're going to trust God and whether you're going to obey God you're struggling with God. You know why? Because you got to either trust God and obey God or don't trust God and don't obey God. God wants you to trust him. But not only trust him, but to obey him and follow him. See, what happens when we don't trust God, we're saying, God, I don't believe you could take care of me. I'm, I'm going to do things my way. And the root of all of our conflicts is you want to be in charge. The root of all your conflict is you want to be God. Go ahead and be God and see what happens. Go ahead and be God and see what had been happening in your life. Because you've taken things into your own hand. You think you know better than God. And that's the root of your problem. And so finally, uh, uh, here we see Jacob is wrestling with God. He's got all these issues. And God said, you want to wrestle with me? Let's go to the map, buddy. We'll go to the map. And they go to the mat and they begin to wrestle it out. See, I believe in that wrestling. God's trying to wrestle some things out of your life. Can you say amen? The purpose of wrestling is you pin that guy down, right? That's the purpose. You pin him down until they say uncle, right? I give up uncle, whatever, you know. But, but what I'm saying is the purpose is when you wrestle and you pin that guy down is you give up. Jacob needed a point where he needed to give up. You need to make a choice to give up to God. See, when are you going to give up finally? When are you going to stop trying to do things your way? 
When are you going to find it, God? I give up. The Bible says that he came and he wrestled with him until dawn. The man saw that he couldn't win the match. Now, it's obvious God could have just wanted it any time. But he wanted to wrestle with him to show him that, you know what? You're not going to win. In fact, at the end, he knocked the socket, or he knocked his hip right out of the socket. He just touched this thing. He just said, look, all I have to do is touch you. But I let you wrestle with me to let you realize that, you know what? I love you. I see who you are, but I can't leave you the same. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the same way. A lot of us this morning said, I am who I am. Yeah, he loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the same way. And the issue is you're not giving up. You're not surrendering. I'm telling you, fights will make a difference. That's why God has to fight them. That's why God has to wrestle some things out of him. Can I just be, can I get a little ghetto here today? Can I get a little bit in the hood? Fights make a difference in the neighborhood. If you don't fight, you'll be bullied. If you don't fight, you don't get respect. Now, I'm not a very tall guy and a big guy, but I got in a lot of fights. The reason why? Because if I didn't fight, I'd be bullied. If I didn't fight, I didn't earn respect. And, and I, learned how to, I, know how, I learned how to fight and talk a lot of smack, too. I said, let's, let's do it. I'm down. Let's get down. Let's get down. I'll bite. I'll, I'll tell him, if you fight me, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite you. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I'm not going to give up. And if you beat me today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hunt you down. I would tell guys like, they go, whoa, hold, hey, what's up with this? I said, yeah. And if I see you around the corner, I'm going to get a two by four. I'm going to hit you in the head. So I, I would threaten them. You know, I would get, and I would, I would, I'd be, I'd be mean. You have to be mean and lean, man. You got to be mean. In the neighborhood, you know what I'm saying? If you weren't, then you didn't gain no respect. And so you get into a fight, and if you want, it changed everything. You go, oh, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Everything changes. Am I right? Everything changes because the fight earns you something. And this is exactly what God does with Jacob. He says, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to wrestle you. But I'm going to let you know who's really in charge. And all of a sudden, that was the place of transformation. See, we rarely change until our pain exceeds the fear of change. I'm going to say it again. We rarely change until our pain exceeds the fear of change. So what keeps us from changing is we're afraid to change. We're afraid to change because we say, well, if I'm sold out to God, well, you know, it's not going to be me. Yeah, it shouldn't be you anymore. Well, am I going to be religious? Is this going to happen? What are people going to think? Forget what other people think about you. God's trying to change your life. God's trying to transform you. Am I right? So number three, number three, are you ready for this? Uh, commitment. You've got to get to a place. If you're going to get redeemed, if God's going to change you, there's got to come to a place of commitment. This is exactly what happened with Jacob. He had to commit. He said, you know what, God, I'm going to serve you even if it kills me. I'm going I'm to do whatever I have to do because I need you in my life. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 26. Then the man said, let, let me go or it's dawn. So they're, they're, they're wrestling. They're not dancing with the stars, man. They're dancing. But Jacob panted. Look at this. He panted. No, he's out of breath. I won't let you go unless you bless me. God, I'm not letting you go. I'm committed to this thing. 
See, that's the kind of commitment God wants in your life. That you're not going to let go of God. That you're going to hold on to God no matter what. See, a lot of us this morning, we've been in conflict with other people. You've been in struggle with God, but have you made a commitment to God? And he said, God, I won't let you go until you bless me. I'm serious about this change. I'm serious about you changing my life. I'm serious about my relationship with you. God, I won't let you go until you bless me. God's looking for passionate prayer like that. God's looking for someone that's committed like that. That says, God, I'm going to hold on. I'm not going to let go. This is not a temporary thing. I'm just not serving you to see how things work out. I'm not just checking you out. God, I'm committed to this for my life all the way through to the end until I die. See, there's so many people. You have commitment. You're not going to get anywhere. If, can you imagine if, if you got married and you told your, your husband, your wife, you know, I'm committed to this relationship. Just kind of halfway, you know. Every so, just during the weekend, you and I could be married. During the week, I'll be doing other stuff. Could you imagine what kind of relationship is that? What kind of commitment is that? And so it has to be consistent commitment. This is exactly what Jacob was doing. He made a consistent commitment to God. He chose that, God, I'm going to hold on to you. And he wrestled with God all night, uh, all through the dawn, uh, and, and basically he was asking for God's blessing. He was asking for God to help him through this whole time, and he wrestled with God, and basically the Lord uh, begins to meet. He, he, he changes Jacob's life, and he does bless him. But Jacob has to wrestle for it. Can I tell you sometimes in our prayer life, you're not going to get your answer overnight. You've got to wrestle for it a little bit. Got a little, got to be a little bit more passionate. You know, we, we think God is some kind of vending machine. The moment we ask for it, God should just answer your prayer immediately. Some, sometimes our prayers are more, they're not, they're, they're desires and whims, not really needs. There's some, there's some of our prayer, it, it, it's not even good for you. I'm praying for that guy, I'm praying for that girl. Man, God don't even want to answer that prayer. It's bad for you, it's toxic for you. We wonder why God isn't answering my prayer. Some stuff that we're asking for is, is not good for us. And I believe God purposely lets us wait and have to struggle for it. If you really want God to meet that need, and if it's really for you, then you'll wrestle with God. You'll be committed to it. It doesn't, it doesn't come instantly. I, I believe sometimes God uh, moves in our lives sometimes uh, supernaturally, but it doesn't always come instantly. Sometimes it's the process of time. God's trying to build something in your life. We want God to change everything when it took us 20 years to get us in that mess. Am I right? A lot of people, they'll come up to me and say, Pastor, I've been going through this. And I said, well, you know, well, how, how long have you been going through this? Oh, 20 years. And you want me to give you a 20-second prayer to change everything? It took you 20 years to get in this mess. And you want 20 seconds, we're just going to pray, and God's going to change everything? You, you're going to have to commit, buddy. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to get down with God. Can you say amen? See, because many people miss God because they give up too soon. Many people miss God because they, they lose a hold of God and, and they don't like the process of time. They don't like the redemption and, and, and you know, I'm broken. How can I tell you, we're all broken. Thank God for his grace, right? Thank God for his mercy. We're all broken. 
Finally, it comes to a point of confession. Say confession. Jacob has to make a confession to God. That's when you admit you're the problem. Not your husband, not your wife. See, a lot of us, we're not at the place of confession. It's everybody else's fault. Until you realize it's your fault, you'll never be changed. This is where Jacob's at. He has to make a confession. He has to make an open confession. And I tell you, this is where the breakthrough is. You really want God to change you, you have to make a confession. You have to admit you're the issue. Look at what, what happens here. The Bible says, the man asked Jacob, what is your name? He says, what is your name? Jacob answered, it's Jacob. Now, why did God ask him, what is your name? God already knew what his name was. God, obviously, God knew who he was wrestling with. When God asks you a question, it's not, for, it's not for his benefit, it's for your benefit. God already knows the answer. Remember when he told Moses, what do you have in your hand? God knew what he had in his hand. He wanted Moses to recognize what he had. God wanted Jacob to recognize who he was by his name. Because again, his name meant he was an overreach. He was a deceiver. He was a a person that was a, a manipulator. Back then, people were named after their character. It kind of branded you. It was your label. And they named their children after what they were going through. Jabez, the Bible says that he was birthed in pain. His mom had a lot of pain. I don't know what mom doesn't have pain, but apparently this mom went like extra pain. So she said, we're going to call him pain in my, no, Jabez. We're going to call him Jabez. That's what she said. And he goes, this guy was born in pain. And, and so Jacob is grasper, circumvent, someone who thrives, someone that's a deceiver, more of a manipulator. Are you hearing me? Can you imagine if people named you according to who you were? You're a liar, right? You're a, a gossip. Hey, gossip. Hey, angry. Hey, anger. Hey, bitter. Hey, all about me. Oh, yeah, you're all, there's all about me right there. That's captain of the world right over there. Oh, that's captain of the universe. Oh, yeah, that's him. There's big head over there. He thinks he knows everything. You know people like that? In those days, they labeled you. And so Jacob said, I'm Jacob. But he had to make a confession. Can I tell you something? When you make a confession, God cleans you up. God cleans you up. You'll never change until you're willing to confess who you really are. And Jacob had to confess, I'm Jacob. I'm that manipulator. I'm that deceiver. I'm that guy that, I'm the scoundrel. I'm I'm the guy that's a liar. I'm, I'm the guy that's broken. And he had to stop blaming everybody else and making excuses. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saved those who are crushed in his spirit. And it leads us to phase number five here. And it says, finally, there's a conversion, a new identity. Can I tell you something? When God changes you, he gives you a new identity. When God redeems you, he gives you a new identity. I love this because God, he picks up all the pieces in our life and he gives us peace. He moved from conflict and crisis with God to a place of commitment, to a place of confession, finally to a place of conversion. 
Because I love God's response to Jacob's brokenness. I love God's response to Jacob's name. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. This is what he said. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. I'm changing it. I'm changing you. We're going to have a conversion right here. Your name will be Israel. How many have ever heard this? Israel. And Israel means, your name will no longer, Israel means prince. Prince with God. That's where God tells them right here. This is where the children of Israel, a nation is named after him because it started with Jacob right here. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but it will be Israel. Then the Bible said, then he blessed him there. He called the place Peniel or Peniel saying it is because I saw, uh, I saw the face of God. In other words, I, I had a face to face encounter with God. So Jacob gets a new identity. He's no longer a cheater. He's no longer a scammer. Amen. Because beneath the Jacob, God saw a prince. He saw someone that was striving with God. He saw somebody new. God sees something inside of you. He sees the prince in you. He sees the princess in you. He sees something beautiful inside your life. But it's going to take you to realize, you know what? I need an identity change. I need a transformation change. Something that's going to last. And really, sometimes what we need to change is our perception of ourselves. How you see yourself changes everything. If you see yourself like the old you, manipulator, then you're going to act like the old you. But if you begin to see yourself as Israel, as somebody that's changed, as somebody that's trans, you're no longer a thief, you're no longer a liar, then you're going to see the transformation take place in your life. This is why we say, if anyone did in Christ, he's the new creation. Old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. How many thank God? The Bible says that God blessed him that day. He said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Can I tell you, God's just wanting to bless you so much. He's wanting to touch your life so much. He's wanting to do so many great things in your life. All you have to do is confess, surrender. Say, God, I need you in my life. And here's what I want to say, and I'm going to close it with this. The Bible says he blessed him. But before, the Bible says this, then the sun rose and Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of his hips. So remember, God had already touched the socket his, 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 his hip was already out of place he still was holding on to God despite asked for God's blessing and he leaves the scene limping what does that limping mean it, mean, it means this that Jacob could no longer run from God and run from issues all of us this morning you need a little limp in your life stop running the second thing it was a reminder that day that he trusted God. Did you know that the hip right here is like one of the strongest muscles in your body right here. This is the strongest muscle, your thigh, all of the the strongest muscle in your body. And so basically God was saying, you're no longer going to walk in your strength. You're going to walk in God's strength. And the third thing is Jacob came out weak and strong at the same time. He was weak physically, but he was strong spiritually with God. See, many of God's giants, many of God's great men and women of God all had a limp in their life. It was a reminder of what God did in their hearts. And today, God wants to touch you today. 
God wants to transform you today. God wants to redeem you today. God wants to completely convert and transform your life. You got to surrender. You got to say, God, here I am. So let's pray. Why don't we all bow our heads in reverence to God this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for transformation. We thank you for redemption. We thank you, God. You're a God that redeems. You're a God that transforms. God, there are phases in our life that we go through so many times. We don't realize is you are helping us. You're trying to get us to a place of conversion. We're going through this conflict. We're going through this crisis in our life. We're going through this place of commitment. And God, then we got we to gotta confess, Lord, that we need you, that we can't do it. And finally, conversion takes place. God, transformation takes place. And so, God, I pray that you'll help us today. So throughout this building, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room right now, I, I believe you're here not by chance, not by coincidence. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence you're here today. Because I believe the Holy Spirit brought you here. I believe it was the plan of God that he set it up that you'd be here today. And even right now, you're wrestling with God in your seat because God's trying to get a hold of you. God's trying to show you how real. Man, if God wants you, he can pin you down any moment. But he wants you to surrender. He wants you to realize it today. So if you're in this room right now, you say, man, I need Jesus in my life. You need the Lord in your life. You know that you've been running from God. You've been trying to figure it out on your own. You'll never find it outside of God. You'll never find the answer. God is the answer. He's been the answer the whole time. Jesus loves you. Stop wrestling with God. Surrender. Say, God, I need you today. You have to, you have to be willing to admit it. You have to be willing to confess it. Say, I can't walk in my life. I need God in my life. I need God's forgiveness. So if you're in this room right now, you be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. You need the Lord in your life right now. Whoever you are, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I need Jesus. Raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. No one looking around. Every eye closed. Right over here on my left side. Who else? Back over there. Thank you. Who else? Several people right now raising their hand. Say, I need the Lord in my life. This is where it starts. You have to admit you need God. And you have to be willing to say it. Say, I need God in my life. And you got to be willing to surrender to him. Who are you right now? There's some Jacobs in the room today. I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about men and women. There's some Jacobs here today. God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. You got to be willing this morning to say, I need the Lord in my life, Pastor. I need God. I'm not here today to embarrass you. I'm here to pray with you this morning. But if that's you, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. Pastor, I need God. I need the Lord in my life. If you're watching online, let us know. Say something in the chat that I need the Lord. But if you're here right now, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. I need the Lord in my life. Pastor, would you pray for me? I need God in my life. Anybody else right now, just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. We're here to pray for you. We're here to encourage you today. We want to believe God with you. We don't want you to leave the same way you walked in. Maybe you were once walking with God. Maybe at one time you were serving God, but you got away from the Lord. You need to come back to God. You need to come back to the Lord today. You need to rededicate your life to him. Who are you right now? You'd raise your hand. 
say, Pastor, that's me. I need God in my life. I need to come back to the Lord. Is there anybody else right now? You raise your hand. Look up at me over there. Look up at me over here. You guys raise your hand. Somebody over here. Amen. Why don't we all stand? If you raise your hand, would you, would you make your way down here? We want to come on. Let's give these people a hand. If you raise your hand, would you come? Maybe just encourage them to come this morning. Just encourage them to come. Some people coming right now. That's exciting. Praise God. Pray with them down here. Anybody else this morning, you come. We're going to lead us in worship right now. Just lead us right now in worship. And whoever comes, just pray with them right down here. Just lead them to the Lord right now. Just just lead them to the Lord right here. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you pray with him, Raw? Just pray with him. Another brother coming. Come on, let's give these people a hand right now. This is worship for just a Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.